All right, welcome to another episode of New Wine Uncorked, and we are live on Facebook as we have been coming to you for these uh, last weeks and so, and for the new year, it's crazy to think that uh, we're already three weeks into uh, 2022, and before we uh, know it, we're going to be pondering this next month, right? And so as we've been talking New Wine Uncorked, an extension of what uh, New Wine, New Wine Skins is all about, building relational bridges in contemporary culture through Jesus Christ. And what does that look like? And last week we were talking about relational theology, Trinitarian theology, and how it draws us in because of its relationality. And so there are some practical, you know, upfront things that come about when you're talking about a relational theology. And so this week, we want to continue it as we press on, as we were talking about the weeks upcoming, we're going to be talking about this uh, God of the Christian Bible, the Christian scriptures and who this God is. Uh, From day one in the creation um, narrative, we read about God interacting with his creation. And so then from there, we move into promises and protections and and provisions and what the God says to uh, his creation. And so we're going to continue to move towards that. But this week, we want to talk about last week, we were talking about Trinitarian uh, theology, how it's relational, how it, it involves this invitation from God to us. And then that really then plays out horizontally as well, right? Because then how we interact with each other. And so this week, a continuation before we get into the promises is with the relational theology, we're going to talk about these terms. What is the, what does it mean? And some of the terms that come up, um, you know, incarnational, redemption, and reconciliation. And these are theological terms that really have a day-to-day impact on who we are as people of God. And so discussing, well, before we get to the promises, the fulfilled promises, the continued promises of this God, the God of the Christian scriptures, want to get into the truth of, well, how does, how do we know that these promises even exist? And how do we know that they're for us? Or are they for us? Well, we know this because of God's interaction with us. And the primary interaction that we as Uh, people in the 21st century going all the way back to that first century when our calendars are marked out as zero, you know, where we start with year zero is the birth of this, this baby who is called God. And so that gives us what we call incarnation. It's where God puts on flesh. And then in that likely, uh, the, the, that example, he Christ, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity then says, well, Here's what life is all about. Just watch how I live and how I interact. And then you go and incarnate. You become who I was, you know, and that's the call to the church, the Christian church. And so in this model of incarnation, of stepping into life with one another, then we have truths of redemption and reconciliation. And so we want to just continue to talk about well, what does that look like in today's culture? 21st century, it doesn't feel very... Um, uh, uh, inviting to actually incarnate, to step into others' lives at such a level where we actually seek to bear each other's burdens, where we actually seek to get into uh, uh, whatever you want to call it. You want to call it the crevices of life. You want to call it in the ditches of life. You want to call it in the gutters. You want to call it in the uh, um, in the battlefield, however you look at this. But this is this intimacy that we have with one another. 
And so each one of us comes from a, of a different background in the sense of what we're doing currently with our, uh, our ministry, but we also have that similarity in the sense that we're creating the image of this God and we talk about this. And so as we move into this, when you hear incarnation, when you hear redemption and, and reconciliation, those are big terms, but what are they like, why are they important for us as Christians and what initially comes to mind though when you hear that term incarnational because it's a it's kind of one of those terms it's becoming a catch term where christians continue to throw that out we need to be incarnational incarnational and maybe sometimes we don't even know what that means you know and so when you hear that it's a big term but it's inviting some sense it's real in some sense but then it also is kind of ambiguous what does it mean to be incarnational and so uh what does it mean to be incarnational in the context of the 21st century and in the midst of things like COVID, how can we be incarnational if we're talking about incarnational as putting, stepping into someone else's skin, stepping into their shoes, walking in their path? How can we do that? Can we still do that even in the midst of COVID? And so, like I said on Twitter, you know, just the small aspects of life is what we want to step into, you know, these small theological concepts of incarnate you know and in these the, the questions they're big because this god is big and yet they're small enough for us to grasp because this god is immediate and present so incarnation what do we think about it you know and how does it relate to today 21st century man see you start off with these big questions and then you give us 14 of them and then you're like go like, oh, you Jesus. Jesus is the right answer. I don't know. <laughs> but, Jesus. Yeah, that's that's it. That's all we have. That's all we have. Um, well, incarnational, as as I understand it, um, um, just as yeah, for myself is um, yeah, just just kind of being the arms, the hands and feet of Jesus, essentially, man. Kind of following his example, working with people and the like. Now, it's not we're not incarnational in the sense of we're god and flesh god with us the way jesus was make sure we have that clear um but but at the same token we can follow jesus's model and we're just putting you know we're putting flesh on his words and his actions and making them a reality in our day and time and definitely yes we can do this stuff during covid and in particular we have to do this stuff during times like these it's you know this is the time where we're where the church is more so where our um who we are is being more tested i mean i think Looking at it now, we have so many um, things that divide us, so many arguments that are happening within the church right now. And, you know, I've said it on this, on the show more than anything, is that, um, is that we're failing the test very often, um, just looking at how the church, now in many spaces we're passing and we're doing so many things that, that are helping people, um, and, that's, and that's great, but at the same time we're seeing so many arguments where you know where do in the media right now where do you see christians aligned you know and it's not along the lines of helping people you know by and large i mean if you if, if you take a closer look under the surface you do see christians doing stuff but the same token yeah i think in many ways seeing more and more of the divisions happening within the church we're more so failing the test you know what what these times are testing us to do I agree. Yeah, I mean, I would say pretty much the same thing. If it, when we think of the incarnation, we're thinking God 
made flesh, right? Like we're, we're, we're talking about how God stepped down into this world and walked amongst us. And we're called to do the same. Like you said, Phil, we're called to be Jesus. Um, what does that look like in our daily life? What does that look like amongst amidst COVID with this pandemic and everything, a lot of things going virtual. Um, what does that mean with the masking and the vaccinations? Um, as a follower of Christ, we're supposed to be Jesus. Uh, and I guess that, that means being love in as much as we can, right? Like as many and many ways as possible. So if that's, you know, wearing the uncomfortable mask because it's going to protect the people around me, then I'm going to do that. If that means not going out as much and doing more um, over the phone or, you know, virtually uh, rather than face-to-face, I'm going to do that as much as I like being around people and, you know, hanging out, um, if that's going to be the way that I can interact with people and still interact with them and still be intentional on my interaction and check in and say, hey, how are you doing? But in a way that's a little bit more loving to them, then I, I'm going to do that. Um, it's just being, I think, a, a little bit more aware of how our actions and words and even our thoughts impact not only us, but those around us. And what ways are we living out Christ? And that's really hard. I think that's a question that not only do we have to ask ourselves like daily, how am I living out Christ? But almost in a moment to moment uh, basis where we're saying, how are my, how are my thoughts impacting my words and actions in living out who Jesus is and how he would want me to live uh, in this moment, let alone day and life. Um, but yeah, I think that's the place to start. Yeah. Um, ditto. <laughs> Such an easy question. Thank you so much, Matt, for starting. That, off. that was great. Yeah. You know, ditto, but I think part of, you know, a, a couple things. One is, um, is he incarnational in our own life, right? I mean, before we can live, look and love like Jesus in the world, is, you know, is that incarnation happening in our life? Are we allowing, um, are we allowing Christ to be, or are we allowing Jesus to be Jesus in our life, right? And I think the other thing too, you know, when you talk about lockdown, I think um, I think we need to be more incarnational than ever during the lockdown because um, we're locked down with the people that we love and care for, for the most part. I mean, people that are close to us. And I think sometimes um, we have a tendency, or at least my tendency sometimes is um, because of the person that is closest to me, um, sometimes I say, I get my emotions out. And sometimes I think it can be emotion, you know, I mean, because they're a person that, you know, they're safe, you know, they're safe. They're always going to be there for you. So you can, you know, I mean, you can do stupid things. They'll feel guilty for a while, but they're always going to be there. And I think sometimes, you know, I mean, we just got to be careful to take, you know, be careful how we take out our frustrations because they are the ones that we love. They are the ones that we trust. We need to make sure I think during this, you know, being incarnational means just loving, <laughs> loving those that are closest to us, right? Not only our neighbors, but also loving those who are closest to us. And, and, and so I think, yeah, I mean, I, being incarnational during this lockdown in homes with, you know, somebody that you love dearly, I think is a challenge. I mean, and I think that we need to be able to, to express that to the, you know, those closest to us. And, 
and I think, you know, like they say, you know, integrity and character, it's who we are when we're alone, you know, I mean, and so I think, you know, if we can be incarnational and in allowing Christ to live in us, work in us, um, when we're alone and in lockdown, I think that makes uh, that, that uh, we're better, we're, we're better equipped, I guess, to, to reflect his incarnation around us. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's interesting when we talk about love and incarnating love, how difficult it is, though, with it. Usually we talk about the vicinity of people closest to us. We relate to them first and then we move outward. And as we move outward, it gets harder to relate. But when you're talking really about loving the other, like it almost is harder for those that are the closest to you sometimes because we know so much about each other, you know, whereas going and loving the group that we interact with once or twice a year, ooh, that's easy. You know, it's easier because I don't know some of the things that, you know, you and I have talked about, and then you go and you act opposite of what we've been talking about, you know, or something like that. Or I treat you in a way that you're like, uh, wait, we were just talking about this, not to do this to other people, you know? And so it is interesting with that, that incarnational, like love has a multitude of levels and yet it should be just simple, right? Go love the person in front of you. Yeah. I, I, I want to add this, but I don't know if this, uh, don't take it as advice. Okay, Kayla and Matt. <laughs> so, um, so I'm a grandfather and we, we, every Fridays we used to watch my, our grandson and he was like one or two years old. And, you know, my daughter would leave for work. She's a teacher and she, she'd just say, you know, I've had a rough morning with him. Hopefully things will get better. And as soon as she would walk out the door, he was like, an angel, right? I mean, he was just like this, this wonderful little kid. We'd have a great day. Um, mom would come home, right? And, um, and so she goes, I hope, I hope you're okay. You know, I hope it was okay. He goes, oh yeah, he was fine. He was an angel, you know? And then like, as soon as we leave or as soon as mom gets home or there's that space, all of a sudden he lets loose. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, so she's kind of like calling us on the way home oh my gosh, this is happening and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you know what I learned is that, you know, grandkids, I think it's kind of like I learned with my grandson is that he kept it in, right? I mean, he was kind of able to hold it together. For some reason, he was able to hold it together when he was with the grandparents. But then when mom got home, because maybe it's that familiarity and, and whatever, but I mean, it's kind of like he could let, he would, you know, he would let loose. And so, you know, Matt, like what you're saying, again, it's just that familiarity that we love these people, we know these people, and, and those people that we might not know as well, you know what, we, we have enough energy to hold it together with them, right? But um, it's tiring, and eventually when we go home, <laughs> guess who gets, you know, the stuff that we've been holding in for so long, so... And Jim, you're right there, um, you're right on that, where Oh man, what's the word? We, I'm gonna say we want. To, <laughs> it's funny. We uh, wear a mask in front of strangers, essentially, right? They meet our representative. They don't meet us. But then having that true, the true people that are closest to us, they get to see who we really are, and they actually, you know, and and the good and the bad of who we really are. And sometimes that bad outweighs the good at times because yeah, we can. We come home and we let it out because you know we're frustrated throughout the day and we don't and right now with COVID not so much we um we don't have our 
some of our coping me mechanisms are things that we went to the wandering around the mall, the <laughs> for the hike and stuff like that. I love you probably still go for a hike, but we don't have going all to the restaurants and the like, right? Where those kind of things are kind of taken away from us. So it may have reduced some of the letting go when we got at home um, because we, yeah. So that, that becomes the question though, right? Is, is how do we have, how do we show our true authentic self or do we show our true authentic self to people even when we're with our Christian brothers and sisters or are we wearing a mask when we're at dinner or going to happy hour with our with our Christian friends or whatnot and then we have a whole nother story a whole nother person at home and now you know our, our wives or children are trapped in the house with that real person <laughs> that no one's ever really seen and that you may not even know honestly so yeah yeah <laughs> That, isn't that the, but don't you think that's uh, why Jesus talks about like when, when he's, um, uh, when he interacts with, whether it's his disciples, you know, it's just reading the account of Jesus with the disciples right before he goes to the cross and he's asking them to pray, you know, and he says, Hey, sit with me here and pray. I'm tired. My spirit's tired. I get it. And this is where he goes. And he's asked the father, you know, if this cup can be removed, and then he pulls Peter and the two brothers and takes them further into prayer and says really intimately, hey, sit here and pray with me. And they they know he needs them, you know, which is it's just an, a crazy situation. The fact that the, the God of all creation, you know, who becomes human and in the most human moments, the moment of need, what, what does he do? He shows his desire to rely on those around him, the, the three men, you know, he asked them, Hey, be here with me. It's, it's amazing to me. Cause normally I think we focus on their, their falling asleep and all, you know, right after that is when Peter denies him. That's when he says, Oh no, Peter, you will deny me three times. And Peter's like, no, I will not, you know? And yet right there in that most intimate moment, when he pulls them in and says, Hey, sit and pray with me, they fall asleep, you know? And he doesn't, chastise them he does question them and says hey look i asked you to do this right but it's an embrace of love and yet there like you were saying it's difficult though with the ones in front you know right there with them who you think like i think this is sometimes with family it's like you, it, it's or even close friends were like but you should know me you know and it's this ongoing kind of like tension and like you were saying phil I wonder if it's not even though that we wear a mask for the people in front of us that are closest to us, it's almost like we're trying to mask ourselves. You know, it's like, even, even with my wife, I think sometimes to myself, if she, we've been married, you know, 25 years, known each other for 27, you know, been together for coming into 30 years. Right. And there's still moments where I'm like, man, if she really, really, really knew who I was like, and sometimes I even have that question with Jesus Jesus, you want me to incarnate and you want me to go in be with these people, but dude, don't you know who I am? Like, and like, and I'm not saying that I'm, I beat myself up and I think I'm a piece of crap and all, but I have these moments where I'm like, wait, you're asking me to be love. And I don't know if I'm even able to grasp that I'm lovable, you know, like, because I have moments where I just know the way I'm thinking about someone in front of me or the way I'm looking at uh, someone in, in, is just not love. And, and so then I, I have to wrestle with myself by saying, yeah, but Jesus, you don't understand some of my thoughts sometimes. And I think that's why this, I, the truth of incarnation, at least it, it, it 
gets problematic for me or, or troublesome in the sense that I have to wrestle with it because I'm like, dude, it's, there's no way Jesus in that you could be asking me to be what you have been to me. You know, this, this embracing grace filled what I don't, I don't feel judged by Jesus, even though I've never been uh, in, in, in his presence, like I have with you three, you know, personally there and, and able to grab onto him. I still have had a presence with Jesus that even in the, the my darkest moments, I still don't feel judged. It's a strange, you know, it's a weird wrestling match with, with Jesus in the sense of, I don't feel judged, but I also feel like this tension of how can I live out your truth, you know? And so I think when we talk about incarnation, at least with me, I'm like, I love the concept. I love the truth of going and being Jesus. But I, at least when I find, I go with this idea. And then when I get into the moment, then my thoughts get a hold of me. And I'm just like, what the heck's going on here? You know, we get into it and I start getting crazy. Like, oh my gosh, don't these people understand? Look at how good I'm being and I'm trying to love them. And, you know, and so it's like, I think sometimes with that incarnational model, you know, Jim, you were talking about the people close to us. Sometimes the person closest to me is myself. And I have to learn that, you know, a proper loving self, you know, not, not this uh, idolizing of self where I lift myself up and it becomes sinful then because it becomes all about me. But there still needs to be this understanding of how to embrace myself. Like, actually, Jesus does call me. He calls you and he calls you like, because he sees the truth of of our goodness, right? He sees the truth of our being. And I'm not sure how, like sometimes when we stop and hinder ourselves, how is it that we move beyond, right? Like that conversation that Jesus has with the father, if you can remove this cup, please do. I feel like that's the conversation I'm having all the time. If my, I'm the cup though, I'm the hindered. Hey, could you move me away from myself so that I'm not always, you know, so how, like in those incarnational models, like how, how can we move forward sometimes when we're, we ourselves are the issue, you know, other than stepping into a lot of prayer and, and talking through this stuff. But I don't know if you find that sometimes I would love to be loved, but I am my own stumbling block. And then when I talk about proper love of self, though, then it's like, whoa, how do you do that without then it being selfish and self-consumption, you know? So how do we find that balance though of, of seeing the person in front of us as needing love and then also recognizing that the way I can do it is because of who I am in the image of, of God, that he loves me so much that I, I should have love overflowing. What, how do we do it in a, in, a, in, a, in a society right now that focuses on self though to such a point that it's about me getting what I want right in today's um you know with the COVID and with masks and do we mandate do we not you know the Supreme Court stepping in and stuff what's the Christian to do you know if I'm I have these ideas of what it means to love the other but gosh that means that I need to go against some of the stuff that I feel like I don't want to do and then so is that loving me like I'm fully like let's say even let's go right there with the mask thing let's say I do everything to love the other I get vaccinated I'm boosted okay and then when I get into the store though if I'm like well I've got my mask on but other people don't like so why should I then have to do this you know uh, why should I be the one that's the example you know how people will say well but you can't be reactive you have to be the one leading the way it's like but why 
especially like, what about in church? What about the other Christians? You know, why do I have to be the one to lead in teaching or showing others how, what it means to love? And is that the responsibility of the Christian? <laughs> it's like a dog pile. It's like, okay. Just keep going. Boom. Okay. Hey, let me, you know, that brings this thought and just, you know, dogpiling, dogpiling. So I'm going to go back to like, hopefully hitting the bottom, the bottom dog that just piled on first. <laughs> you know, I, you know you're not, as you're talking about, because we've talked about loving ourselves, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of like that whole theme, but I think, you know, maybe it's that, uh, you know, I was thinking about somebody that would, that I would have to try to keep telling, I love you. I love you. I love you. Whether it be my child you know, my wife, but I mean, it would get really tiring, right? I mean, and, and, and when we're doing that, to me, it seems like they don't really, they don't believe us, right? And so it's, you know, and so I wonder if, you know, if at some point, we just really need to believe that God does love us. I mean, that, you know, that, that we don't, you know, because we can, you know, you're right, we wrestle with this, how can I be lovable and blah, blah, blah you know, and all this stuff. And we talk about God's unfailing love, we talk about God's mercies are new every morning, we talk about, you know, about and we, we use all this language, but like you said, I think it's just coming to that point to say, okay, I really believe this. And I think once we say, you know what, I really believe this, then I think we can move on. Doesn't mean that we don't stop, right? Doesn't mean that we don't stop and pause and think, okay, you know, I, I need to recalculate, you know, because I do think that, but I think that it just, I, I think we just have to come to a point and just say, you know what, I'm going to take God at his word. You know, and, and I think that's part of the promises that, you know, that, that you referred to. But I just think it's, yeah, I mean, does God get tired just saying, Jim, I really, no, really, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I don't know how you can love me and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just like, you know what, just, I love you. And I just go out there, <laughs> you know, just because you, it is really, I mean, I think, you know, to a certain extent, it does, it is about us. You know, it is about us not feeling loved enough. It's, you know, it's about us. Um, you know, and, and all these things. So that I want to address that dog dog pile as far as just the love within ourselves is just I think it's just coming to that point to say, you know what, I'm taking him at his word. I'm taking him at his word. I'm going to believe him. And you know, I think that you know, I think that frees us up in in trying to guess what does it mean to show my love back to him, right? I mean, um, so being incarnational, you know, I mean, the bar is not that high, right? I mean, I don't think God says, I, you know, I mean. I was thinking, like, for me, it's just like, hey, you know what? Be salt and light. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know? And so, I, you know, but maybe it's just that expectation or everybody else's expectation that, you know, incarnational means we have to be like, you know, we have to be Jesus. Mm. But it's not, you know, it's, it's just really kind of just doing the best we can to reflect Jesus. It's, it's doing the best we can on a journey that we still wrestle with sin. I mean, you know, and all those things. You know, it's those, you know, and it's, it's those times where we should be praying and we fall asleep, you know, and, and Jesus says, Hey, this is an urgent time, bros. I mean, this is, you know, and that he, he doesn't bail on him. I mean, and so, you know, the fact that we fall asleep when he needs us at the most urgent time, the fact that we deny him when he needs us at the most urgent time, um, the fact that he's crucified and he, you know, and, and he's looking for at least somebody to step forward and say, you know, Hey, you know, but he's looking at it, at, at those that love him and they're all stepping back. And you know what? I mean, he shows up three days later and he just says again, Hey, I love you. <laughs> you know, It's like, and so I think at some point we just have to say, okay, I, I today and this week, I'm going to believe that promise. You don't, I wonder if, um, 
in, in, in speaking in the American context, part of our problem with even accepting love is that um, it's a sign of weakness to show that we need, you know, and so to show to accept someone's love for yourself means that, well, I don't have enough love within me. So I need to know that you love me. And that's a weakness because then I can't be whole without, you know, and so we go into acceptance um, and we try, we find these um, games that we play with each other, right? Like when we go into groups where, yes, am I concerned about what I look like? Do I, do I care what they think, you know? And I think we do that. We project that onto God you know, where, because God is so kind of out there, even though, so the, the thing when we talk about incarnational and when we get into theology, there's a, where, um, you have a transcendence, God is above, but then you also have imminence where God is immediate. And I think God's immediacy for most people tends towards punishment or, um, some type of like obedience, authoritative obedience, you know, some sort of, uh, um, master above each one of us that is requiring us to follow these guidelines and rules and, and, and regulations. Right. And so it's interesting. I wonder if, um, you know, president Trump or president Biden, each one dealing with the, the masks and stuff, what if they just had come out and said, here's the deal. If you're American, you love God and you love country, then you love masks, you know, love God, love country and do what you want. Right. Kind of like what Augustine said in the third century, like love the Lord, your God and live as you want. And the church was like, whoa, because at least in the American context, the, the moment you tell someone you can't do this, what do they want to do? You know, and so it's like it, it, it with a Christian, it's like God can't get it right he says i love you so live as you want you know or and so people are like oh my gosh no no we have to have reg regulations we can't just let people so then he says okay fine so i love you and here's some you know whatever the beatitudes or the 10 commandments and we're like whoa no you can't tell us what to do and so i think sometimes we're just confused as to what it means to actually be in relationship with each other you know Maybe, yeah, Kayla. Um, no, the, there's a lot. There's a there's a lot of thoughts um, that have come to mind over these different topics that you brought up. But I think that ah, loving loving self, yeah. Um, I this is something that I've really had to grow and struggle with. Um, just in general, I think we all do, but and growing up, but especially right now, um, there's a lot of, of anxieties and doubts and fears that come with growing into parenthood. <laughs> um, and, and there's a lot of like unknown and uncertainty. Uh, but at the same time, I'm stepping into that and kind of <laughs> embracing that in a sense, like I'm not going to know everything. And there's always going to be that unknown and that uncertainty and that's okay. Um, but I don't have to have fear in that, uh, because I do have Jesus and he is immediate. He is with me and he is present. Um, and I can lean into that, but loving myself has been like a weird kind of struggle because 
I have this miracle growing inside of me and that's easy to love. Um, and then like getting to know myself almost every single day all over again, like trying to understand where, where am I at? Like, what is this? What does this mean? I don't even know how I feel right now. Like there will be times where I'm crying and I don't know why I'm crying. And then I'm frustrated that I'm crying and I don't know why. And there's nothing that Chris can do to help. And he's like, are you okay? What's wrong? What do you need? Like, and I feel like that's kind of what God does. He steps in and he's like, Hey, I'm here. Like you're okay. I, I got you. And, and we are just like, but I just, just, just ah. and we're so like caught up in, in our mess that we don't even take a step back and we're like, okay, I need to just breathe. I need like, it is going to be okay. But also it's okay to, to rest in those emotions. There's just, it's a lot. Um, and I think that, that learning, like stepping into this, this journey of parenthood and learning how to love myself in that and be okay with, you know, doubts and uncertainties has helped me grow closer to God. And, and honestly, um, because I've gotten to see a little glimpse of how he loves us through the eyes of a parent and their child. Um, and, and already like, even through this struggle, even through the uncertainty, even through my doubts and my anxieties, I, I know for sure. I know for certain without a doubt, I love this child like so much. And I have not even met them yet. Um, and I love them. And that's the kind of love that God has for us. And there is, there is peace in that there is comfort and there's stability and there's going to be a lot of struggle and there's going to be a lot of mess of me, um, and my humanness, but there is that constant of, of God in the midst of that. And, and regardless of how I'm struggling to parent or love myself and love this child in the midst of their screaming tantrum. And I don't know how to react in the moment. I know that I can be like, okay, I can take a step back. I can take a breath. You've got me. Um, and the more that I do that, the more that I just let go of, of myself and my thoughts and fears and doubts and anxieties, the more that I embrace God in those moments, then I can better love myself, um, in the moment and ongoing, and then learn how to better love myself and learn how to better love the other and how to react in better ways. That, that was a jumbled mess, but, um, <laughs> um, I think it's just a moment by moment thing where we have to just kind of let it go and like step outside of ourselves and just be okay with all of the, that mess, but also allow ourselves to take a breath. Yeah. Amen, Kayla. It was good. It was good. And as, as you were sharing, I was thinking there, there are a couple of ironic things going on that, that you were sharing. So one of the idea that you're feeling that you felt that you're understanding God's love for us more 
as your child is growing inside of you, right? And at the same token, you understand that you're in constant need of God at the same time. <laughs> so it's so it's so weird to to think that that's you know part of our condition, right? Is that we're in constant need even as we're understanding His love more and more. But the 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 thing, of course, we all understand the perspective of your husband, the three of us, and when you're crying for no reason and we're just like, what can I do? And, and wifey's like nothing. And we're like, oh, well, okay, I'll just sit here. Can I bring you chocolate? I don't, I'll, you know, whatever. Um, but at the same token, when we think of the overwhelming nature of God, I mean, how, how many of us have just done this where a song gets stuck in our head or a Bible verse or something gets stuck in our mind. And as we just sit there and meditate on it, we're brought to tears or we're just overwhelmed by God's love. And we just have to either sing the song, walk in the backyard and sing it loudly, or just meditate and just marinate in the thought where that's becoming overwhelmed with God's love. That's that's the thing. And Matt, your, your idea earlier about, you know, and I think Jim brought it up too, is just that we are just gonna have to understand, man, God loves us. I mean, that's kind of the beginning of the thing. and. And you know, you brought it up earlier where if people really knew us, if we kind of just really took off the mask, if we kind of let go of anger some days and just did, you know, sometimes the thoughts that come in our mind, yeah, there's there's a there's a wicked evil person tucked in there somewhere. And um, and we don't want that person to come out, you know. And sometimes when that person does come out, we feel we may feel guilty and bad afterwards, but that person with that wicked person in there that we really don't fully understand is still the person God loves <laughs> with all the good and the bad. God still chooses. God still loves us and demonstrates that love to us. So it's, it's definitely a thing that we're going to have to see. Um, but your hard question, uh, do we have to be the leaders in, should Christians have to be the leaders in doing, wearing the masks and, um, and the like. Um, now, here's the weird part of that question. So many of us as Christians wonder or wrestle with the idea of whether or not wearing this mask is a thing that's actually loving. You know, it's a thing that's going against my rights, my individual stance and the like. And and I, I stand, I, I, I can't, yeah, wearing a mask is the loving thing. <laughs> Getting the vaccinations is the loving thing because you're not doing it just for you. You're doing it so you don't spread this thing to other people. And it really just makes me wonder, like we call ourselves a loving people, call ourselves a loving country. And I just wonder how much do we actually love people? I mean, to me, this time tested it. Like do something to benefit someone else. And the first question is, well, how does this mask help me? I mean, it doesn't <laughs> Like, what, what are we doing? It's like, no, you're doing it to protect other people and they're doing it to protect you. And it's like, that concept just doesn't seem to resonate. And so, yeah, I believe the church should take a stance on this one. Um, I think that when I say take a stance on this one, we should be the leaders in wearing a mask. When you go to church, you should be the one that's wearing the mask and wanting to show love to others. But you know, I could put a litany of, of things that I think the church should take a lead on, that Christians should be doing, that we should do to model the world, and we just ain't doing them. So I'm not surprised that we're not doing this one too. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's a, it's, it is an interesting thing, uh, Phil, when we start talking about like doing something that I theoretically don't want to do, but it is the right thing to do because it's the best thing for us, the we, 
you know, and so often we put the me before the we, you know, and I find it kind of curious when um, people talk about Jesus coming and turning the tables upside down. And so he's, he's turning upside down our, our concept of the world. I'm like, no, you know what? We turned it upside down. You know, we continue to turn it upside down. Actually, Jesus is trying to write it. He's trying to turn it right side up. And, and I was talking to a, a friend yesterday, cause we're talking about, you know, moving forward into the theology and what we're doing in clubhouse. And the, the, this came about the, the willingness to suffer for the sake of the other. And, and I'm not saying wearing a mask is suffering, but to be honest with you, when I put the mask on, I do feel like sometimes I'm suffering because I, I like looking into people's eyes and seeing their, you know, the, the facial expressions and things and talking, but it's not suffering. And yet I do sometimes feel like it's an infringement upon my rights. Cause I just go in there going, I'm vaccinated. I'm boosted. I'm like, I'm washing my hands on stuff. Why should I wear? And then I have to catch myself and say, dude, holy cow, man, like take a breath. Okay. Because there on the cross, man, Jesus taught me that this life is not my own. And that's hard because on the cross, he was acknowledging to every, the world that his life was more than just his and that's a hard con. And sometimes I wonder, though, if we truly let go and let God, you know, we have these wonderful Christian, you know, sayings. I think we're afraid of what if we really were who we were supposed to be and life was joyous, even in the midst of suffering where we could look at I was reading and reading um, the Radical King by Cornell West, and it's about the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And the thing that he says in there that just every single time I'm like, holy crap. The reason why we have hard um, uh, times with like racial injustice and the injustices within civil rights is because most of the evangelical church, which is predominantly from a historical standpoint, been led by the, the whiteness is that it, it rejects suffering for the sake of celebration. It does not want to suffer because suffering shows a sign of weakness. And Dr. West is saying how the one thing that the evangelical church has missed out on from the, uh, the, his black brothers is what he says is black brothers and sisters is how to uh, embrace suffering is a form of celebration about the, this joyous ability where Christ on the cross was suffering for the sake of the world. And it's, it, it's not saying that the suffering is joy because that's not what the writer of the Hebrew says, right? He says for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So it recognizes that in, in our taking up our crosses and following Christ, there is suffering, but it's for the joy that we're doing it. And so that joy is so overwhelming that it can do nothing else but consume our suffering so that then it redeems the suffering into something joyous. And when I read that from Dr. West, who his life as a black man in American society, as a, he's an academic and um, he grew up in the civil rights and and for him to say that for me, I was just like, I'm taken back when people who I know have experienced suffering and I know have been just pressed down in life, you know, with loss. And when they're able to say, but I love the Lord and I have joy in my heart. I'm like, wow, it makes me have to step back and go, dude, do you know this Jesus that they're, they know? You know, this Jesus, uh, and, and I'm like, I want to know that Jesus. And, and so I feel like that's why when we're talking about the, the relational aspect, 
The only way for me to understand incarnation is for me to understand the communal truth of who I am first, because I only understand the profundity, the depth of what it means to incarnate when I experience it through others. And when I hear, I've never met Dr. West, um, but uh, through reading his stories and, and stepping in and with his willingness to share with me, you know, through his books, what he suffered, you know, by standing up for others, civil rights and the like, and still having this profound love, not only for Jesus, but for people who look like me, who were beating on him as he's grown up to me and Jim, like hearing about the doctrine of discovery, that kind of like, that's why I think this communal aspect is so, in, uh, so necessary, but it only happens when folks are willing to be incarnational, to be authentic and willing to be vulnerable, you know, and to share because each one of us knows that there's been moments in our lives when we've been vulnerable and it's, it's been used against us. And I'm like, yeah, every time I want to complain, I just look at the life of Jesus. I'm like, holy crap, his vulnerability got him killed. <laughs> and he still comes back with the resurrection, right? And says, I still, like you said, Jim, his response to that is, oh, okay, well, yeah, you guys are pretty serious about your hate. Guess what? I'm even more serious about this love thing, you know? And so it's, a, it's crazy. You're just going to leave it at that? Oh, I was trying not to answer a question. I was trying not to ask a question because every time I ask a question, you're like, oh, that's too much. You know? So I was like, I'll just, I'll just pause and just kind of fade. And then that they can just make up whatever question they want. I'm just, you know. <laughs> you know, you know, we talk about being leaders, you know, are Christians to be leaders and, um, you know, with the whole mask thing and all that, you know, I mean, the really the bottom line is Jesus says greatness comes by route of being less, you know, being servant of all. Right. I mean, and so it's not about being leaders in being masks, but, you know, really, I mean, maybe the ma I mean, the masks just needs to be an opportunity to say, you know, what, I'm willing to take into consideration the least, the last of these, you know, I mean, when Jesus says, you know, when he's separating the goats from the sheep, I mean, it's when did we do this or when did we see this? And when we did see that, you know, it's like, well, whatever you did for the least of these you're doing for me. And so I think, you know, and I think the problem is, is this, this word that that's being tossed around is this idea of freedom, you know, I mean, and it's even sad when even the Christian church says, Jesus Christ died for my freedom. It's like, no, 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 no. You know, I mean, it's totally against, um, you know, anything biblical. I mean, when you talk about community, I mean, that's what, that's what, the whole scriptures are centered on it. It's, it's this dying to yourself and be part of something bigger than yourself. Right. I mean, it's being part of a community and, and thinking how you contribute. And so, I mean, I, I was, you know, as, as I think about this freedom thing and the, I mean, this whole mask is about freedom, right? My freedom, I want my freedom. And, and that's what even the Christians say, but I'm going to get, I'm going to spiritualize everything. So sorry for bringing up the Bible, but you know, Galatians 5.13, and this is a living translation. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love, you know? And so I think that, um, you know, if we want to talk about freedom, um, yeah, we, we use the freedoms that we have. Um, and, you know, some people would say, well, it's mandated and blah, blah, you know, you know why it's mandated is because we live in a community that's so independent we don't want to be so independent that we have to you know kind of like hey this is the communal thing to do sounds odd <laughs> but you know it, it isn't it i mean when you when you have to mandate because people aren't willing to say you know what i'm part of something larger than myself i mean that's the sad part i mean that's really the sad part well it's it's interesting too with anyone who has kids 
you live in a mandated house. Your your 12-year-old doesn't just get up and say, I'm going to just uh, go chill with my friends. I'll take the car today, you know? Like, you're like, uh, no, that's not the case, you know? Uh, when when my kids were, you know, and they'll tell you these stories, when they were, you know, 12, 13, 10, 9, and it was time for bed and we'd be out watching TV, you know, they had the mandate of being in their room. Well, they didn't follow that. So they would sneak out, you know, and uh-huh. We live in, you know, so it's interesting to me when people bring up the mandate or like, I'm like, but we have rules in our own home. Okay. So I just don't get parents to be honest, you know, but for a Christian though, if you see it as mandated and rule following, then my thing is, is man, are you really living out the truth of what it means to be human today? Right. Because whether or not I like it, I follow the, the, the rules of the road when I drive, because it is better for you all that we have a semblance of, of organization and stuff, but that's whether we think about it or not, it's a loving act. The fact that I'm not just running around, you know? Yeah. You know, I mean, I was thinking years ago, I was uh, part of, you know, uh, when I was a youth pastor, there was, we met at this one girl's house. Her name was Kathy, but there was this other girl that started showing up and her the reputation that she had was her parents let her do anything she wanted. I mean, they had parties at her house you know, they would buy the booze, they would provide the pot. I mean, it was like nut crazy, but you know, I mean, but she was like, she had all this freedom, but she loved, she started coming to youth group and she just kept coming and coming and coming. And then this, the, the party Kathy became really, really close friends with, you know, the Kathy that was hosting, you know, or, or hosting, you know, our ministries. And so I said, what is it about, you know, Kathy, the party Kathy? I said, what is it about? I mean, your parents let you do anything you want, but what is it about coming here? What is it that you find gratifying? And she says, you know, I love hanging around Kathy because um, her parents or she has rules. Mm -hmm. And to me, those rules is that somebody loves you. Mm -hmm. And those, you know, those rules are in play. And so she says, I want to be around. She says, it sounds crazy, but I want to be a place where there's boundaries because to me that that's what love means and so just you know when you started talking about that i think yeah, yeah. I mean, it is because we want to protect we want to make safe we want to you know and there's times where we're like why you know i mean like i can think of times where i'm like wondering why are my parents making me do this but you know there is an underlying love that's you know established there even though we might not fully understand even though we might be rebellious that these you know these boundaries isn't only for you but it's for you know those around us as well I mean, isn't that how the Ten Commandments are? Like, there are there are reasons behind every single word in the Bible and why it's in there. And that's the same thing with like parents, even as silly as you know, um, stay in your room. Like it's bedtime. <laughs> um, there is a reason to that. Like, hey, like it's in your best interest to get enough sleep. It's in all of our best interests that we all get enough sleep for tomorrow and your functionality of the day. Um, it's in our best interest to respect one another and to love one another and to see the other um, in depth. And, you know, those things are in the Bible for a reason. Um, and that's the same thing that parents, you know, why parents set rules and boundaries um, for a reason so that we can properly because we are like children when it comes to faith. We don't fully understand the big picture and we can't necessarily see or understand 
um, the why behind the rules and the boundaries. And we just need them to be set in place. We need God to be like, okay, um, you might not see this, but I, I'm seeing it. And so I'm going to set this in place for you so that I'm, I'm going to just take care of you in this, in this way. Um, and there's something to trusting in that and just saying, okay, you know what, if I know and believe that you love me, then I can trust in these boundaries and these rules, um, and these, these commandments that you have set before me and I can follow them because I know and believe that you love me and you're doing these things out of love. Um, and that's the same with these mandates, you know, I, I know and believe in this God that, that loves me and I am, I'm trusting in that. And so I'm living that out. And part of what he says is, Hey, you're living in this world. You're not of it, but you got to respect your leaders. You got to respect what they're saying. And you are, you know, still a citizen. (laughs) We're still citizens in this country and we want to take care of our country and our, our fellow people. And part of that is respecting our leaders and saying, okay, there's this mandate in place. I'm, I'm not going to walk into a restaurant naked. I'm going to go in with clothes on. I am going to wear the mask when I grocery shop, like, you know, just as much as I want my kids to respect rules and boundaries that I have in my household, I'm going to respect these rules and boundaries that are set in these public settings for the sake of the other. Um, just as much as I'm going to respect the rules and boundaries that my God has set for my life, because I know that they are placed out of love. In addition to all that, I'm um, going back to the, the idea of freedom um, that you brought up, Jim. Um, I think we forget that, well, we, we want to define freedom as the notion to be able to do whatever I want to do, whatever I would want to do. And forgetting the notion that we're influenced by sin. So we're mm. not doing what we want to do. <laughs> we're doing what the sin is dragging us towards doing. And so we forget, I think we forget that. And so, yeah. and so, yeah, definitely we end up needing mandates and things to say, hey, wait, no, this is what the loving thing looks like. And so we need something. I may not always say that anything that government tells us to do is something that's ultimately loving. So let me be careful and put that one out. <laughs> but, but but there are spaces where, yeah, the loving thing is needs to be defined. It needs to be laid out in front of us because we don't recognize it because we're blinded by the sin that dwells within us. So sometimes we do need to see it. And 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 yeah, I have friends again who 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 have troubles with the with the mask wearing, with vaccinations and all that stuff. So, you know, so we wrestle back and forth on it. Um, and just with even the pandemic by and large, but that's a, (laughs) but, but yeah, go back and forth on it, but it's just thinking, okay, yo, I'm going to do this thing just to demonstrate love. And I may be wrong, you know, and it's like, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm doing my best I can to be loving, to be, to, to help the other. And Mm. this is what I'm going to do for this, just because I, I believe it's possibly the best thing to do to help someone else. So. Yeah. Amen, dude. That's such a great uh, point. And I, I don't think people, even the church, what we think we want to do that's fully free, we don't take into account that it's still led by sin. That's such a great point, Phil, that that sin is got to be brought into it. So, well, I might say, yes, but I want to do what I want to do and it's free and I'm going to be, 
you know, I'm not going to hinder anyone else. You have to take into account that ask. That's such a brilliant point that people just forget, right? They just, they, oh, I don't want to deal with sin, right? I'm not that bad. I mean, that's such a, such a great point. I mean, my brother and I have different, definitely differing views of the, the, the mandates, the vaccinations and the masks. And so I just walk around with him and I had to have a spray of bleach. And I, so I just spray around him so he doesn't get anything. I'm like, you know, cause on the bottle of the bleach, it says it kills COVID. Like, so I'm just like, and this is what the president says. So when everyone around him, I'm like, he's not going to infect you. I'll just get it. You know, I just keep spraying, you know, and, no, but like, it's, we have to lovingly embrace those around us that might not have the same views, right? And so you're right. And how to do that, though? It's such a brilliant point, though, that you bring. It's so simple, but not that, hey, when you think that you're fully free, remember, though, you still have that sin thing, okay? Because our push into perfection is not going to be complete on this side of, you know, heaven until Christ comes back again. So I think that's the that's such a great point to remember. And as we continue in our discussions, you know, we're going to move into redemption and move into reconciliation. But what does this mean really to be uh, uh, the leaders, to be the one out front that Christ calls us to, right? And it's really, it, it, again, I know it sounds hard because people are like, well, what about them? It's not about those who have not come to a loving uh, uh, acceptance of Christ as their savior and their king, right? This is for the church first and foremost. And so if we start comparing, then we've already lost. That's what Satan wants, right? He wants us to look. People should just pick up uh, uh, screw tape letters, you know, and, and, and read some of it. But this is where the education comes in. And so this is what New Wines, uh, New Wineskins is all about. Education, consultation, and transformation. We want to continue this talk, you know, moving into what does it look like that, to have like a, a poverty of the soul, you know, to, to step into a, a need, to step into a weakness that really gives, gives us strength. And as we move into the fulfillment of promises, we want to continue to highlight this. And so uh, as we close, I'm not sure if any one of you has a final thought before we sign off. Next week, Friday, the 28th, we're going to continue this as we move um, from this incarnation and redemption, continue to talk about this and what does it look like for uh, fulfilled promises for those, the Christian in the 21st century. For those of you that don't follow New Wine, New Wine Skins on Facebook, just right now, you can just go right up to the New Wine uh, uh, name right there by the video and just hover over it. And then it'll bring up the drop down. You can hit like. And then that way, anytime uh, New Wine goes on live or we, we put a post up on our Facebook page, you'll be informed or come up in your newsfeed. And if you want to be informed right straight away when we go live, then just go right over to the right side of your video right now and hit that uh, bell. And the bell will be notifications and you just notify all notifications uh, from New Wine, New Wine Skins on Facebook. And that way, our, our videos, our articles, uh, happenings of New Wine, then you'll be notified. We also are on YouTube forward slash New Wine, New Wine Skins. And then this video will be posted at there. All live um, Facebook episodes are put back up on our YouTube page. So just head on over to YouTube. And then that way too, on the bottom of the descriptions of every of the YouTube videos, you can see where else you can find YouTube, uh, New Wine, New Wine Skins on Instagram, on Clubhouse, on Twitter. We have plenty of opportunities for you to engage. And so New Wine, New Wine Skins, building relational bridges in contemporary culture through Jesus Christ. And you're invited to join us because this is a communal thing to where we get to step in and learn what it means to love self, 
so as to love other because why we love the lord our god and so on behalf of phil and kayla and jim i'm matt this has been another episode of new wine and court until next friday we'll see you on the flip side have a good one